Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to our review of abdominal aortic aneurysms in the post-op patient, typically. And we were speaking about the different types of endo leaks. We went through the ones, the twos, the threes, the fours, the fives. The other complication is device failures, whether it's migration, a graft enfolding, fabric tears, dislocation of limbs, or stent fractures. Now, the good news is, as the grafts get better, the complications are decreasing, and we hope to see that continue. But many patients will have stents in place, and so you need to be very careful when you're looking at these patients. So here's a good example of a stent failure, and you can see that the stent is collapsing. Look at it very nicely on the coronal views, and particularly well on the 3D volume rendered views. Look at that sharp angulation. You can see that the lumen is going to be markedly compressed, nearly occluded, and there it is when you do a center line. So again, this is a good example of um, the stent failing. You also can see complications near stents. This patient presents with back pain. Look at that aneurysm and look at that active bleed in the right periodic region, um, which you can see very nicely when you give the IV contrast, right? And then you track downward, you see the bleed, and you track further downward, and you see the endovascular stent. But this aneurysm increased in size above the stent, there's angulation, there must have been increased pressure, and now the aneurysm is leaking, and the aneurysm is about to rupture. So you can see the problems involved are not trivial, and here's just a few more images to show that. You can see that, of course, the challenges with enlarging aneurysms and stents, positioning of the stent, but also the torque and changes, particularly in older type stents. Again, you can see I tracked it down a center line, but you can see the very sharp angulation, the enlargement of the aneurysm, and the active bleed. Another case, evaluation of this patient with a stent, which you can see into the... Uh, a left common iliac, but then you look at it again, non-contrast, look at that angulation of the common iliac. It's like 90 degrees. 3D works very nicely, 3D volume rendering to show you the stent material. You can see the 90 degree angulation and so no surprise, look how the um, common iliac is nearly occluded. You can see also, yes, there's aneurysms on the right and the common iliac as well as the section common iliac, but again, the stent is failing. Very nice example, here it is in color. Now I will say I like the use of color. In this example and this example, the color works very nicely, in a sense accentuating both the aneurysm as well as the stent graft and the positioning of the stent graft and the failure of the stent graft. Another patient, enlarging aneurysm, you see the stent and it looks really weird. It's angled. Where's the IVC? Here it is with contrast, this compression of the IVC by this enlarging aneurysm. Look at it on the volume rendered views. The aneurysm is enlarging the angulation of the aorta, the grafts, and you can see that the IVC filter is in place. You can see the IVC filter is being compressed. And here's a little bit later, the IVC is dilated, compressed, angled. We've seen aorto uh, IVC filters, I mean fistulae. You can see where you can get occlusion. You can see all sorts of complications. Again, look at it very nicely on that 3D rendering. 
And again, I think on axial views you can appreciate some things, but really it's on the 3D view that you really can appreciate the full extent of the stents and the graphs and everything in between. Now what else? Device migration. I showed you an example, but let's look at another example. Look at the graft here. Again, it's migrating down. It's angling the aorta. is further dilating above. This was probably a sequela of poor fit. Again, we're better now at putting things in the right place. We're better now at getting the right measurements, but it's always going to be somewhat of a challenge. But look at those images from various planes. Look at that angulation, 90 degrees. Here it is in color. This patient then had a fem-fem bypass graft, basically narrowing of the left common iliac. So again, these patients are vasculopaths, so it's not a surprise that sometimes the stents will fail because the aneurysms will continue to get larger, things will become more ectatic. You have all sorts of problems that can lead to more problems. We talk about branch vessel occlusion, and that's probably not surprising. If you're messing around with the aorta, the most common vessel is going to be a renal artery. And it may be the main renal artery, or patients have multiple renal arteries, and so small branches, like here to the lower pole of the right kidney, will be occluded, and you will see infarction. Now, usually it's not progressive. The patient will not lose much renal function, so, but it's something to be aware of. The patient can present with back pain post-op. Also, we've seen global infarction, where the renal artery is occluded in the post-operative period. Here's just another example of that same patient, endovascular stents, infarcts in both the right and the left kidney. And you can see the infarcts again, and it does make the point that we do see infarcts more commonly when the patient have multiple renal arteries. It's, you know, with the stents, you can sometimes put grafts in the limbs of the renal arteries, but you can't put it into multiple tiny vessels. And so you can infarct particularly the upper or lower pole where there are also small vessels. Another case, patient with history of a type 2 endoleak. There's a stent in the right renal artery. You see the stent in the aorta. Now you can see the patient's endoleak, very nicely shown, near the level of the patient's right renal artery. Here it is on 3D, the stents in both left and right renal arteries, the endovascular stent into the iliac vessels, and the multiple infarcts in the lower pole of the left kidney, and multiple infarcts in the right kidney. And you can see what happened on the left. There's a small vessel to the lower pole that's not been reimplanted because it was a lower pole vessel. And again, very nicely shown here. Article recently, renal ischemia remains a known complication of endovascular stents. Studies show that 11 to 35% of patients experience a transient increase in creatinine levels. Uh, but less than 4% will ever need temporary or permanent dialysis. So the infarcts typically involve a small part of the kidney and usually are not going to be consequential. Burke goes on to say that our data shows a mild gradual increase in baseline creatinine levels in all patients undergoing uh, endovascular stents, regardless of whether or not the patient did have an infarct. And there have been other studies that make this, the same thing. And we know that ourselves, that patients who do get surgery will often see some transient increase in creatinine. But we also know even patients who don't get surgery, just hospitalized patients, can often see a bump in their creatinine levels. Um, again, this article does make the point that renal infarcts are common, so for the radiologist not to go crazy when they see it, know about it. 
it's something important to keep in mind and watch the patient's renal function very, very carefully. We also talk about other complications, non-endole complications, and that would include infection. Anytime you do surgery, there's a chance of infection. One of the reasons endovascular stenting is preferred because there's less chance of infection. But here you see an air bubble by the stent. Here you see an endoleak. There you see the air bubbles. You see consolidation and fluid. And this was uh, an infection of the patient's stent. Again, the enhancing rim on the coronal view here is really most helpful. Once you put stents in, we hope they stay patent, but they don't always. So stent thrombosis is a possibility, and with an air bubble there, stent infection, is it because of the infection they got the thrombosis? Probably not. Or this case, when we see air around stents or instents, we worry. Around stents, we think about infection, assuming it's not simply just post-operative change. But within the native aorta, you can see air sometimes post-op, but if it's not post-op, you have to worry about communication between the aneurysm and usually it's duodenum. You see gas in the aneurysm sac, fluid and inflammation nearby, and the bowel often tethered to the aorta, as shown nicely in this case. Aortoenteric fistulae are uncommon, fortunately, but they're life-threatening with a mortality approaching 100%, even if aggressive management is done. There's primary and secondary forms prior surgery and or graft placement is more common than simply a spontaneous aortoenteric fistula. The classic triad, abdominal pain, massive GI bleeding, and a pulsatile abdominal mass could make you think about it. Here's a, I'll show you a couple of good examples. Now things you look for, air within the aortic lumen or adjacent to aorta, direct contrast extract from the aorta to bowel or vice versa, but that's pretty rare effacement of the fat plane between the aorta and adjacent bowel, focal bowel wall thickening adjacent to aorta, and periaortic soft tissue thickening in fluid. So you look at this case, you say, whoa, look at that giant aneurysm that's getting bigger, but look at the duodenum. The duodenum is draped, at a minimum, it's draped over the aneurysm, but then you see these air bubbles tracking in. This is a autoenteric fistula. This is a surgical emergency. This patient will not, probably not survive. There's infection. What do you do? Remove the graft. Kind of very difficult. Or this case where there was a lot of air, not much inflammation, but the patient was not recent post-op. This was going to be uh, infection and a autoenteric fistula. So again, when you see air around the aorta, when you see communication between bowel and the aorta, or just even nearby, it's aortoenteric fistula to prove it otherwise. It's rare to see contrast going from the aorta into the bowel. It's just very, very rare. But when you see air like this around the aorta, you know it's a fistula. Or in this case, look at the limbs. There's one of the wires is pushing forward. Uh, when you look carefully, there's a fractured stent uh, with repair, but there is now, when you look at it, there's an aortoenteric fistula involving the fourth portion of the duodenum. So anytime you're doing surgery in that region, it's very easy to get adhesions. Um, the classic aortoenteric fistula is going to be the duodenum, third and fourth portion. You can see with other loops of bowel, particularly if patients have adherent loops of bowel and they've been repositioned, uh, and uh, but again, very important diagnosis to look at. You can see the active extravasation consistent with the endoleak. Or here's an example of a patient post-EVAR. 
you can see that there's lots of inflammation, particularly by the posterior aspect of the aorta. You can track this downward, and you can see this contrast tracking beyond the lumen. There's air in the lumen. And so you're dealing with aortoenteric fistula, which would need to be drained. And you could see, again, the mass effect of the endovascular stents being pushed off the aorta, the positioning. And again, this makes the point where the sagittal view is very helpful, the coronal view is very helpful, the 3D view is even more helpful. So again, the ability to use all the tools you have become very valuable. So I've gone through a lot on endovascular stents, but it's an important topic. We're seeing more of them, and we scan a lot of patients every day with stents. It's going to continue to evolve with newer designs, and that's happening every six months, it seems. We need to be aware of the range of findings and what we can expect to see in complications from endoleaks, down to rupture, to stent failure. Again, knowing what to look for in a very complicated group of patients indeed becomes very, very critical. It's also important to work closely with vascular surgery, interventional radiology. Again, you need that to optimize patient management. And as I showed you, in every case showed you, protocol design is critical. Bad injections are going to screw you over. Motion is going to screw you over. Not doing multiplanar in 3D is going to screw you over. You need to have a comprehensive examination. And only when you do a comprehensive exam, using the right protocols, are you going to be able to do what's necessary to manage those patients. So with that, I'll thank you for your time, your attention, and have a great day. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website ctsus.com for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.